0: Santi sounds so much fancier. (laughs) What's going on here? This is, uh, anyway, we're not leaving the meeting. Good evening, Michelle Alcoholic. I want to see everybody. My sobriety date is January 15th of 1990. I have a home group, Women's Attitude of Gratitude. I'm trying to get to my clock because, you know. I want to know what's going on. And I have a sponsor who has a sponsor who has a sponsor. And he- welcome to the newcomers. Whether it's your first time or your who knows how many time around, what I learned when I got sober is you can be done. You know, I've never heard that little thing read about the 17 people, and you can stop digging and you can stop digging. I was told my first sponsor I never had to drink or use again. I didn't have to feel the way I was feeling or do the things I was doing, but I was going to have to do a few things around here. So I'm going to qualify. We have 10 minutes. So um, I took my first drink just shy of 17 years old. So I was freaking miserable. Okay. And I don't even know if they sell Tickle Pink anymore, but I drank the whole bottle of Tickle Pink and I didn't know that that was abnormal. I just thought it was normal, and I loved it, and the very next day, I, I got sober in Montana, so this is in Montana, I went out with my two girlfriends, and we got, I got three more bottles of Tickle Pink, <laughs> and then I got some beer, and and I proceeded to drink the whole bottle of Tickle Pink again, and then add some beer, and that, so I wasn't a little wine with dinner kind of drinker, and from the get-go, I passed out, I didn't know that was what happened, I was pissed off that nobody, okay, there's a guy in here who does not like swearing. I'm gonna try to behave and not say the F-bomb, but I think I can say the P-word. Anyway, that nobody had told me about this. You know, in that 16 years, I'd been sexually abused for a number of years. I had a mother who's crazy, bipolar and borderline personality. There was violence in my home. I remember my dad threatening to kill my brother at one point. And I wanted to kill myself at 10, 13, 16. I don't think that's normal. But I'll tell you, none of those things made me alcoholic. But by the time I got to a drink, I was really happy. I needed that relief. I needed to be able to breathe in the world. Alcohol did for me what nothing else up to that point ever had. And so from that first drink to a year later, I'd been fired from a job. I got kicked out of school. I ran away from home, but I mean, it was, couldn't be alcoholic. I mean, I didn't know what that was, right? I ended up, when I ran away from home, I moved in with my sister and I went to a counselor and she said, you know, I think you're just experimenting. I think your parents are the problem. I can run with that for a very, <laughs> very long time. you had my home, if you had my abuse, if you had my parents, if you had, 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 you'd drink, right? I mean, that just made sense to me. You know, what I know today is alcohol and drugs is a solution to my disease. Oops, I might want to turn that off. Um, they kept me alive long enough to get to you. That's the truth. You know what I mean? Alcohol and drugs did for me what nothing else had done. It made the life turn to technicolor. It kept you away from me. I just need a little buffer between me and the rest of the world. And I don't know if anybody would be sitting here if it hadn't stopped working. Like, I'm here because it stopped working. I didn't know what I had was alcoholism. Somebody else had to tell me that. I came here to get rid of an alcoholic because he was way worse than I was. And so I came in through the back door, Al-Anon. I said my first prayer when I collected all the Al-Anon literature, and I said, God, help me as an alcoholic. And I was sober within like three days after that. And so it was coming to Alcoholics Anonymous saying I was just an addict. And you know what? Old timers and closed meetings do not like that. So I learned from reading the book and having a sponsor that I am an alcoholic. And it really doesn't matter how I label everything else. I'm an alcoholic. I react to alcohol differently than other people. When I drink, I want more. Now, when I drink, I get really, really sick and I got really, really sick when I ate my mom's um, fried rice. I have never, ever, 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 ever asked for the recipe, ate (laughs) it again, ever. But every time I drank, I swore I would never do it again, and then I was doing it again. And that idea, that, that feeling in my gut of this is time, it's gonna be fun and different, and I would forget all the reasons why I quit drinking, because don't you know, this time it's gonna be different. I'll try eating, I'll try not eating. I'll try tagamint, thank you. I'll try mixers, different alcohol. I'll try lots of things to drink what I considered successfully, which is not throw up. And it never worked, but I kept going back and I kept going back because that did for me what the fried rice did not do for me, which is turn the volume down, keep me away from you and made me comfortable in my skin. So I ended up an Alcoholics Anonymous to get rid of him, and I get a sponsored eight days sober, and I get in the big book, and I'll be damned if they're not talking about me. It's like, what? If you're new tonight, I just want you to know, having a sobriety date, write it in ink in your big book. And the big book has the directions to stay sober. Clearly outlined, they use words word like, precisely how we have recovered. We're gonna show you specifically how we've recovered, and we're gonna give you clear cut directions. All those are very precise, clear-cut, and specific. I want my brain surgeon to be that way. I want any kind of surgeon to be that way. Precise, specific, and clear-cut. I don't want any wishy-washy. So that is my textbook, the big book about Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's where I found myself, that kind of thinking. And, you know, Bill, in the excitement, he found alcohol. I was like, yeah, I didn't want any big emotion. I do not want excited, angry, sad, anything. I just wanted to be, like, even and numb. So step one, I was powerless over alcohol, and my life was unmanageable. To me, you know, I can't do it, and I can't not do it. Every time I quit, I started again. I did all my relapsing before I knew what that was. I have one sobriety date, one and only one sobriety date, because I did all my relapsing before, before I got here. all the good ideas beforehand. And frankly, if I hadn't gotten a sponsor, I was just in between good ideas, you know, like it could have gone either way, right? I could have figured it out because I'm a thinker, which doesn't help you here. If you're smart, doesn't help you, right? You can never be too dumb for Alcoholics Anonymous, but you can be way too smart. I can figure, I'm different, I'm a different alcoholic. You know, maybe if I adjust this and do that, and tweak this, maybe then it's like, no. Just follow the freaking directions. You know, if you're gonna make a cake, you don't spitball it. If you'd like a decent cake, right? But I try to do that with Alcoholics Anonymous. So I'm gonna figure out a better, different, my way. That's why I work the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, not Michelle's program. So step one, my ideas don't work. Step two, the God idea does. Step three, based on those two facts, that I'm here. Because there's no doubt in my mind, alcohol and drugs don't work. I ran that train into the station. What was that movie where the train like actually was going to crash through the station? There was. So the street. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been me. Like, I just I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. You know, step three, I, if, if I haven't believed the first two steps, I don't need a step three. Why would I? my ideas work? You know, and step three is merely a decision I make in my mind to make that decision a reality, I have to do four through nine. I have to take some action. The first three steps are all mental (coughs) exercises, in my opinion. And nowhere in the big book does it say we hang out on the third step and figure it out. It says, once we do the third step, we vigorously launch into this program of action. So four through nine, people usually leave on four or nine because their ego tells them to. And I'm here to tell you, I've been here a little while, my ego's still healthy, hasn't died, you know what I mean? I'm a little more likely to make amends or do the right thing, but the steps are what have kept me here. The steps are what have given me the sense of ease and comfort that only alcohol and drugs have done for me. Thank you. One minute, okay, I'm gonna trust you on in that. Um, so the fourth step, I'm just taking a look, just taking a look at what already happened five, I'm talking to somebody I already know really well, my sponsor. Six and seven are continual. What am I doing? What am I getting out of it? What am I doing? What am I getting out of it? You know, eight, I already made a list with my four-step and, you know, people end up anyway. Nine is where the magic happens. I'm still stuck in the ick even after the fifth step if I don't go out and humble myself and apologize. And in a way that lets people know I sincerely, I was wrong and I regret. 10, 11, and 12 are the maintenance steps. You know, I just did an inventory recently that I had to do. Like, I know how to do inventory. The fourth step is a template for your 10th step and your 11th step. And the 12th step is really the magic. I sponsor a lot of women, and I would not be sober today without that. Because I'm an isolator, and if I didn't have to answer that freaking phone, or I didn't have a sponsee meeting, or any of that stuff, I wouldn't be here, because I would leave. So, I'm glad I have it. Thanks, Joe, for asking me. That's all you get for 10 minutes.